Progressive presents The Sounds of the Old World. The year is 2019, and someone is waiting for a table at a restaurant. Thompson, party of four. Thompson, party of four. Thompson, party... Oh, there you are. This has been The Sounds of the Old World. Brought to you by Progressive, where drivers can still switch and save like it's 2019. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. You know, when it comes to Formula One, I have a very, very, very conservative opinion about what is good and what is bad. But this time, even I'm going to take the liberty of saying the race was good. My name is Rishi Kapoor. Kunalsha is eagerly waiting on what I'm going to point at next. This is the Inside Line F1 podcast. There's a lot of bashing going on on Twitter, on Facebook saying the race was boring. If you've seen the Spanish Grand Prix, if you've seen the Monaco Grand Prix, I thought this was a good Grand Prix, Kunal. I would absolutely agree with what you're saying. And there I go saying absolutely again. (laughs) (laughs) The count begins. It's one. (laughs) (laughs) Probably more points than what McLaren will get. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Now the deal is in the Canadian Grand Prix, there was tire strategy because a quadruple champion and one almost champion in Vettel and Massa were starting at the back of the grade and they were charging and, and there was strategy involved and staying out late and taking undercuts, etc, etc. And there was overtaking. I don't know why people still believe that it was a boring race. Yeah, it somewhat got processional, etc. But like you said, there was overtaking. Yes. And there was tyre strategy. Yes. You had two very good drivers who qualified at the back of the grid. Mm-hmm. Okay, including Verstappen if you... You know, put him as half a good driver. Mm-hmm. And they charged up the field. I mean, what more could one have asked for? Kimi made a mistake. Botas took over. Kimi had to change strategy. So, there was again change in strategy. Uh, yeah, yeah. And that's, that's exactly... What more could one have asked for? I think what people want now is to uh, have some, some fist fights, some, some gunshots. Maybe Snoop Dogg should come and uh, sing a rap or two. Maybe Lewis <laughs> Hamilton should go, M-G-U-K, M-G-U-K. I'm glad that you're not discussing the Mad Max uh, kind of road rage action that's there in Formula 1. Okay, but you know, Formula 1 has changed. Now, I'll tell you why people are finding it boring because... As Kunal and I were discussing, the push, push, push has changed to lift and coast, lift and coast, lift and coast. <laughs> you know, we are down to saving the brakes. Mm-hmm. We are down to saving the fuel. Mm-hmm. And nobody's thinking of saving Formula 1. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I like the whole, uh, the bargain that, that drivers come up with, the engineers. Okay, you've got to uh, lift 100 meters. No, no, I'm going to lift at 50 meters. <laughs> All right, 75. Can we both settle on this? Okay, it's like the Indian way of bargaining with the 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 vegetable one. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, that's exactly the opposite of what I did when I was growing up as a racer. Mm. Okay, you were always challenging yourself to break as late as you could, as late as you could. And boom, here you're like 100 meters before. Which somewhere makes me believe maybe I could break in a Formula 1 car, lift in course 100 meters before a, a, a circuit. I could do that. <laughs> our, our listeners could do that. Then why are these guys in those cars? Being paid millions of dollars. My God, damn it. And if I'm a Formula 1 driver, I'd be a little confused. Whole, all of my life, I've trained myself to break late and I've been asked not to do so. So, okay. Yeah, yeah. I don't know when the last time we heard a Formula 1 car driver get up and say, hey, you know what, I drove the wheels of that car to make it to the podium. <laughs> Alright, if you have to make it to the podium in Canada, you've got to keep strategy in mind. One part of the strategy is covering the safety car. Now, safety car is, you know, I think in the last 20, 
15 years it'd be 13 safety cars or something you like know that. it better <laughs> <laughs> all right but this time it did not happen okay now the cars are so slow that kunal and i were discussing that the engineers anticipated the fact that safety car might be there they short fuel the cars absolutely so maybe a five lap uh, uh, bargain here yeah, and there yeah, yeah. just to keep the cars lighter but kunal so what it does is it makes the race boring because when you don't have the safety car then the drivers are lifting and coasting just to save fuel absolutely Okay, I'm going to come to another uh, important point then. Are the drivers enjoying the sport? Well, uh, if the fans can see that the drivers are driving slow, mm-hmm. I'm sure the drivers who are being made to drive slow are not liking it at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, you know, if you see the previous eras, like like David Coulthard has turned around and said that he would get out of the car exhausted. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we really see that. I mean, you know, Lewis still has the energy to go jump on five different people and then, <laughs> you know... Play with the champagne, <laughs> jump on the podium, a lot of things. So, uh, A, I don't think they're physically challenged. B, hence, they, I don't think they're mentally challenged because they know everyone has got to drive slower. So, you're driving within the limits of the car. Okay. And, you know, the, the classic example here is if you suddenly see a good car on the grid mm. not performing. So, for example, say Williams in Monaco. Mm. And if you study Botas and Massa's driving in Monaco, mm. it would be far different than probably what it was in Canada. Because when the car suddenly is slower you automatically see the drivers trying harder. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I just think they're not being pushed to their limits at all. I mean, nobody went into the wall of the champions. Yes, the cars are probably so slow that they did not have an error. Nobody had wheel spin around it. Nobody claimed their championship. If I may say, and the the pseudo wall of champions that Kunal refers to, turn (laughs) 7 and 8. Very challenging. Just Vettel barely put... Uh, a wheel off and, and some... He kissed uh, the barrier. That's that's it. Not even kiss. I mean, it was like a peck on the cheek or something. <laughs> uh, a little disappointed with that. Yeah, I mean, I thought at least a Maldonado would probably <laughs> turn around and say, hey, I'm going to prove that I'm a former GP2 champion and boom, I'll go inside. <laughs> Alonso's also turned around and said, okay, we feel like airplane pilots, it's on auto mode, we're nursing cars, when is this going to end? Yeah, and this just brings back a comparison that I've always read is that, you know, driving and racing a Formula One car is like flying a jet plane Mm. and suddenly they become passenger pilots. Mm. And that's where I understand the word boring that comes along with doing driving duties. Okay, but driving duties done well by Hamilton. Uh, Well done. Won like a champion. Rosberg was very close. Decided to apply. That's for Hamilton, guys. That's for Hamilton. Not for Rosberg. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, but you know, everybody's been saying is, is Mercedes trying to control the pace was Rosberg not allowed to attack? Is he choosing not to attack? Now, everybody has their opinion. and uh, We have ours. We have ours. <laughs> the, the analysis is, if you don't know what was happening inside is, because Rosberg was in Hamilton's toe most of the times, he was saving fuel. But because he was in the toe, he was losing on the brakes. So, he had to nurse brakes and, and, and that's why Toto Wolff was looking really nervous. That was for Rosberg, not for Hamilton, like we always think. <laughs> and uh, Hamilton had to lift and coast in the whole 50 meters, 100 meters. So it was a lot more intense than we actually thought. Yeah, that's what I read about it. The, how Mercedes saved their 1-2 and the strategy that went behind it. Mm. But guess what? That's what the fans will never get to see. And I don't think they want to see. Correct. They just want to see wheel-to-wheel racing. Okay? Exactly. They don't want to know what the engineers are doing to get two cars to the finish first and second. Okay. Mm. Having said that, okay, mm. I personally believe that... Rosberg could have done better. Okay, I don't see him to be attacking Hamilton. Mm. Maybe that's changed in dynamics after Spa last year. Okay, maybe they've clearly told him that. Listen, if you want to win the race and mm. if you want us to give you the favored strategy, you have to 
out qualify Lewis. Mm-hmm. But if you start second, because you've not pulled off a clean maneuver and you've jeopardized team positions, maybe you can't overtake him in the race because he's unable to overtake. Yeah, because you know, last year he used to attack Hamilton all the time. Hamilton used to do the same. Hamilton might just do it this year also, but I don't see Rosberg doing it. Yeah, I mean, I just feel that maybe it's time for Mercedes to look beyond Nico Rosberg. Okay, this is where I'm going to disagree with Kunal. Okay, Kunal, <laughs> uh, if I'm Mercedes and I know that a, Rosberg is not able to beat Lewis Hamilton in, a, in qualifying and probably a little weaker in race, I am in my mind clear that I have a number one driver now. A number two driver. The number two driver is somewhere mentally accepted that he is number two. And so there is no conflict in the race. They are both pushing each other. So the gap is maintained to the rivals. But I still have a guaranteed one-two. So I am actually set as far as my business is concerned. Oh yeah, absolutely. And as far as I don't have to come on the radio and tell Nico, okay, keep it safe. Uh, well, don't crash into him, etc, etc, etc. So from a business point of view, they found a Barry Kello for Hamilton who is now Schumacher. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, yes, you have a point. Mm-hmm. Okay, but again, from the business point of view, mm-hmm. I personally believe that Mercedes need to keep Lewis grounded. Mm-hmm. They need to keep him honest. Mm-hmm. As a result of which, they need to get a driver who can challenge him. Mm-hmm. Rosberg looks happy not being challenging Hamilton this year. This is my reading, you know. Correct. Like, you see, Raikkonen was upset when he was third and Rosberg was like, oh, team did a great job, you know, and I had a shit qualifying and whatever. <laughs> so somewhere it's in the body language. The second part is they also need to have a succession plan to Lewis Hamilton. Correct. I wrote about it and I strongly believe that they should look beyond Rosberg. And mind you, and you know this better than anyone, I am a big Nico Rosberg fan. Oh, yes, we both are and we both quite love him. And Nico, we're really waiting for you to get victories. And he's had two victories, but he still not look like yeah. he's winning. I mean, Spain was convincing. Monaco was a gift to him. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I want to see Rosberg from last year type Bahrain and around, you know, where he was literally tenths off. I mean, what was he doing in qualifying? Four tenths, four and a half tenths off? Yeah, that's not And happening. that too in a circuit like Canada, which, which is slightly easier to learn and master. And we all know that the third sector is where he was found lacking. Ah, yes, that's true. Vettel and Massa both were very fast. Could Vettel have challenged uh, uh, Mercedes? I mean, you know, I know Mercedes had some awesome page, pace, but Ferrari with their upgrades to the engine, was Vettel strong enough to just... I think so, because I loved his charge, which was strategy as well as very mm-hmm. aggressive driving, mm-hmm. 18th to 5th on the grid. Mm-hmm. I don't believe why he couldn't have probably broken either the Mercedes 1-2 or probably done somewhat better. What do you think? I think Massa and Vettel should be put behind uh, like, like a reverse grid every single race. <laughs> so we have some entertainment. With, with Max Verstappen. He also ah, does a good I job. I love that guy. Yeah, I love yeah. that blow. But that reverse grid idea is damn good. I hope they consider it. They did it in junior formula, so most of the drivers are anyways used to it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's unfair if you do a reverse grid in Monaco. Yes, yes. Uh, the podium got a bit reversed when Raikkonen decided to well visit the hairpin just like he did last year. Um, looked a little animated, looked a little stupid to me. But well, Kunal is, is very much backing up Raikkonen here. He's saying it's actually a torque mapping issue and on cold tyres that thing can happen, etc, etc. Do you really think it was a mistake? I, well, not from Raikkonen so much so. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, given the fact that he's still a natural talent, may not be as good or maybe has been 
through his past hmm. for that you know he was probably too much on the throttle i don't think so he's taken that corner a lot of times by now so it was probably a settings issue is what i guess i get a feeling it was a pr statement and probably they're trying to defend raikkonen by not making upset he's he's not driving driven so badly actually yeah maybe that's the case but look at it this way also that maybe if there was a pr statement they would have turned around and said it was a driver error because they are also keep keeping him on tenter hooks when it comes to his 2016 contract yeah i can see it on his face actually yeah. the post qualifying oh, picture God, don't oh. even go there <laughs> I mean, Kunal is like, he was so sluggish, he was so... Like, look, if you look at the three drivers, so there was Hamilton in the centre, Rosberg towards the left of the television and Raikkonen towards the right. Hamilton and Rosberg were all uptight, you know, like Mm -hmm. fit Mm -hmm. racers. Mm -hmm. And Kimi was falling over the table, his, you know, his uh, elbows on the table and he was pulling his cheeks and whatever he was doing. And... My only my only submission here is that I am not against what he speaks. I love the way he speaks and the content he gives to media people. Mm-hmm. But there has to be a certain way in a former world champion, one of the star performers of Formula One, mm-hmm. and a Ferrari driver conducts himself, you know, on a, on a public platform like this. He's probably a Ferrari driver on a vacation all the time. <laughs> you know, that's what he is, and and I totally understand. Uh, but I think he doesn't know what he's doing. But. <laughs> But Rishi, like you said, he's come third in qualifying after some some third 2013 some race in 2013. <laughs> I mean, he should be happy about it. Yeah, you lost out to uh, you know the Mercedes Benzes, but hey, you always do. You would <laughs> I mean, be happy about it. Show it to the world. So, is this the right time for Botas? Is everybody going to now turn around and put Botas into that seat and say, okay, this is your red car now, go and prove yourself? You know, it might just be. You never know. Mm-hmm. There is Botas, mm-hmm. there is Nico Hulkenberg, people will talk of. And mm-hmm. mind you, Rishi, I have a feeling they'll even talk of Daniel Ricciardo. I had a feeling. As and well. Max Verstappen. Because if Renault and Red Bull are dodgy in their relationship and Renault's commitment to Formula One, mm-hmm. okay, let's remember Red Bull will have a brilliant car, but mm-hmm. they'll still need a brilliant engine. Correct. So maybe these two drivers will look out of the Red Bull fold as well. You never know. Absolutely correct. And I wouldn't be surprised if Vettel and Ricciardo are in the same team again and then you know what happens. All right? Somebody's going to end up hurt. Okay. Uh, point about Botas also being he's not cleanly beating Massa like he was last year. And, and this year, maybe Massa has improved. Maybe. You never know. And that's a good point, Rishi. And somebody who's not improved is McLaren Honda. Just and the drivers are very vocal about it. You don't have power. You don't have mileage also. I want to have some fun. Just leave. leave yeah, you're making me look my look like amateurs, Rishi. But it's, in this case, you and I make each other look like not amateurish <laughs> on the podcast. Okay, but I'm, I, it's very understandable that Alonso and Button are sometimes vocal. They're human. And how long will they carry the PR statements of, no, this is fine. We're progressing. Each step back is two steps forward and, you know, something or the other. And But, you know, maybe they're, they're identifying a different character to themselves. Okay, uh, you know, both of them have suddenly turned out to be very funny. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we know Button took to tweeting at the Bahrain Grand Prix when he missed out on the race. Mm-hmm. Okay, and Alonso, in you know, tweeted the inverse uh, image of yesterday's race classification. <laughs> okay, and maybe they're just exploring a funny side to themselves. Maybe Alonso's <laughs> retirement plan, for all we know. Ah, he might become a commentator. You never know if he can partner us on the inside line F1. <laughs> but you know what, Rishi? I also believe, you know, his now very viral radio message mm-hmm. that... You're making me look like an amateur. Also our inspiration for the title of this week's podcast. <laughs> Maybe he was taking radio lessons from Raikkonen last year when he was in Ferrari. <laughs> the only time they both got along. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I also I also believe this Grand Prix was very special because like every year there is a special appearance and, and this year again we had a <laughs> we had an animal on track. Yes. 
Maybe that's the proof that the Grand Prix was so interesting <laughs> that the groundhog wanted trackside view. Yes, it usually happens in Canada and, and some other circuits where seagulls just come yeah, around. Yeah, I think Monaco, we've seen a pigeon do a ninja type matrix backflip. <laughs> and there's a lovely video of that. We'll try putting it on our Facebook page. Where was it? I think uh, we've had issues in, in Brazil, maybe even in Silverstone. Yeah, Silverstone, actually people that are protesting run over. <laughs> and then are taken down by the police. <laughs> <laughs> we hear Jackie Stewart you're going down <laughs> alright uh, a lesson to be learned from Manor Racing Manor Marussia has been more reliable than, than McLaren and uh, that is just wrong because they probably don't even have the sandwich budget that McLaren has so that's just bad <laughs> but you know finally they had a retirement and guess what this the silver lining in the dark cloud was was I now know how Roberto Mary looks Ah, there was a camera focus for a full 3.14 seconds. Yeah, probably just as fast as the pit stops, you know. <laughs> and I somewhat know. So, if he visits India and I bump at him on the streets, hey. there's a good chance I'll recognize him. Roberto Avarvio. <laughs> and of course, yes, uh, uh, the, 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 the golden lining for this Grand Prix was the fact that Maldonado actually finally finished, got some points for the team. And the team is finally making money out of his points than only the sponsorships. <laughs> So, well done, well done, Maldonado. The race coming up is Austria, the A1 ring, the Red Bull ring. Red Bull ring. And Red Bull has decided to take penalties on both cars and and, and start at the back of the grid. You know why they could do that? Why? Because they anyways know not a lot of people are going to come to see the race. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Max Verstappen, give us a little bit of entertainment there. We'll be back with all our focus on on the Grand Prix, a pre-Austrian dissection, if I may call it. In a week's time, in a few days' time, actually, on the Inside Line F1 podcast with Kanal Shah and Rishi Kapoor. Wendy's Baconator is the ultimate bacon cheeseburger that puts all other cheeseburgers to cheeseburger shame. And now we're bringing that same big bacon energy to shake up and wake up your breakfast with the Breakfast Baconator. Stacked with a fresh cracked egg, sausage, cheese, and bacon. And right now, you can get a free Breakfast Baconator with purchase in the Wendy's app. So get to Wendy's and always be Baconating. We got you. Offer available at participating U.S. Wendy's for a limited time during breakfast hours only. Offer must be redeemed via the app. Account registration required. 